Welcome to the Back in Shape podcast. And today's episode is going to be all about the neutral spine position, what it is, and particularly if you've got lower back pain, what should we be shooting for? And how does this all become relevant to us? And how do we so often overlook this? It is going to be a little bit more of a visual episode, guys. I've got this spine here. So those of you that are listening to this on audio only, it might be a good opportunity to check it out on Spotify or on the YouTube channel just because some of these demonstrations, it just helps to see something alongside the words that I'm speaking. So I do apologize if it is audio only for you. Now, with that out of the way, I'm gonna go through a few things. I got some notes on the board again to make sure that we're covering all of the key areas. And with this one, there may well be some good questions that come out of it for you as you're watching this. So use the comment section, whether it's on our website or whether you are watching this on one of the other platforms, use the comment sections where they are relevant or where they are there. And uh, you know we read all of those comments and questions and get back to you guys. So you know, use it as best you can. So first thing we wanted to get into was really the big issue with low back pain, and that is flare-ups, regular flare-ups. The amount of times that people will come to the clinic over the years, or that people will uh, visit their practitioner, or, or just talk about it and say, you know, my back just keeps going for random reasons. I get these relapses that happen here, there, and everywhere. I bend down to do this. I lean over to do that. I twist to do this. Why are these things happening? What well, a lot of times is because there's that lack of stability that's occurred, and understandably so. We've injured something. We've injured a, a joint in the lower back, a section or a segment of the lumbar spine, and most commonly that is L4-5, L5. S1 region, which is, for those of you watching again, right down the bottom here, this bottom section of the spine. It is an area that's commonly injured. And we're going to, today, as we go through the neutral spine, start to understand that a little bit more because people fail to have the ability to stabilize that particular section. And often before we've injured, quote unquote, our lower back, first, we have a degree of instability here. And we'll kind of see how that develops using a finger as an example, or your knee. So that's the big thing we want to get out the way first. Now, understanding the spine, the structure of the spine, and this might be a little bit more detailed for some of you guys, you know, let us know if you find these sorts of videos more helpful as well going into this detail. So the spinal blocks themselves, the vertebral bodies and the discs that are in between, they are not stacked on top of one another. Often you'll hear things like you should have a straight spine, lift with a straight back, all these sorts of things. They're not accurate and they're not helpful because if we have a straight lumbar spine, then we actually have a flexed lumbar spine because it's flexed relative to the neutral that the spine should be in. Our lumbar spine should have an elliptical curve going through it, this being the back, your bum sitting here, and obviously the tummy being on the front here. It has this elliptical curve in that it's got more curve at the bottom and less as it gets into what's called the thoracolumbar junction. Then we've got a nice blue section of the thoracic spine, um, green being the lumbar spine, and then it obviously transitions into a forward bending section, a kyphosis, if you will, um, in the thoracic spine where our rib cage in our lungs and heart, etc., are. But it is these curves that provide an ability of the spine to both be stable and strong, but also absorb shock. If they were completely straight, I used to, to kind of not joke, but you know, make light of. If you, when, when patients would come into the clinic, you know, imagine your spine. If you had to jump off the chair or off the table or the treatment couch with your legs locked out, you would have no ability to load bear or shock absorb. Sorry. If, however, you bend your knees, you have a curve, your spine can absorb that shock as impact comes through it and therefore reduce the strain and the stress that is focused through certain joints. And it's very important to understand, which we'll get onto in a moment, what is actually maintaining this natural curve. Because when you look at the spinal model that I'm holding up in a moment or that I've been holding up throughout this video, 
you know, you look at it and you think, oh, well, the spine just holds itself in that position, and that is not true. It is a complex array of ligaments that run on the front and on the back and in between vertebrae that blend arguably with the interspinal discs or the intervertebral discs to form this mesh of support that holds and maintains that particular alignment. Otherwise, we would just have a bunch of bones that are kind of just stacked around and floating around one another, and there wouldn't be the stability. And that brings me kind of nice and neatly on to the next part. We are not a tree we don't have the vertebrae stacked on top of one another. We need this supporting structure from the ligaments. And it is those ligaments that maintain that spinal alignment. They maintain other joints too. You've got ligaments around your finger, for example, at the knuckle, the knee joint, the elbow, etc. All of our joints will have ligaments around them. And just think, what is it that's holding my finger straight and not causing it to dangle off to one side or the other? We don't really have muscles that are doing that particular role. It is the integrity of the joint capsule, of the ligaments that are around those fingers that prevent it deviating off to one side or the other. And what those ligaments do, just like they do in the spine, is they provide a degree of tension a, bit, a degree of stiffness or rigidity about that joint so the muscles can then act on it. If, however, these ligaments are off and not working correctly, maybe they're loose or lax or maybe even not present, we'd find the ligament or the finger, sorry, would be kind of dislocating or deviating to one side or the other all the time. And if we try to grab something with our hand, we don't necessarily know if our finger would stay in its position or if it would move off to the side and then the muscles pull one side more than the other and that can create strain on the muscles, strain on the joint, strain on the articular surfaces, the bones themselves in an asymmetrical manner, a manner in which they're not uh, designed to do so. When we think back to the spine, we have ligaments literally going between all of these vertebra as we go through the spine. We've got the five lumbar vertebra, we've got a thoracic vertebra at the top, and we've got a sacrum down the bottom here. And we've got ligaments running between all of these as we go through from one segment to the next. We require equal tension, designed, pre-designed tension, to be through all of these to hold the spine in its resting position. And then it is the muscular contraction. Let's say we've got the QL, for example, that's going to bend us to the side. The QL is running from the side of the iliac crest here, or the top of the iliac crest, to our 12th rib. It is not attaching in at any of these vertebrae. And when it contracts, it requires a degree of tension through this section of spine to allow us to side bend, bend off to one side, laterally flex the trunk. Other muscles as well will be running across multiple segments. And it's by having that tension throughout the spine, through the ligaments, that those muscles can function effectively. When, however, we have an injury, or we'll explore this a little bit more in a moment, when we have an injury affecting one particular segment, now all of a sudden, these, all of these, as they go to move, there's a weak point. One of the ligaments moves a little bit more readily than the others. How does this come about? Well, when we're developing in utero, if we take it all the way back to before we were even born, we're sat in a little sack in a C shape. Our spine has one curve through it all the way around. And it's through the development over the first couple of years of life as we go from lying down, lifting the head and then crawling, our lordosis drops in and then we stand up and we put gravity on that and the lordosis and the kyphosis develop and set a little bit more permanently. And that takes many years for that to fully develop into our early childhood years. And then we kind of, they kind of change a little bit as we go through our growth spurts, they reduce a little bit, and then they set in again in our later teenage years. Well, 
those curves are developing to get you away from that fetal position. But then most of us spend way too much time trying to reintroduce part of that fetal position with many hours every day of sitting down. Sitting down with a rounded lumbar spine, a flexed lumbar spine, not a lordotic, maybe a slightly less lordotic, maybe even a flat, and God forbid, a flexed and actually, actually fully uh, kyphotic lumbar spine. That is very, very rare to see, but some of us will have really encouraged that particular movement. It is not efficient in terms of load bearing and it certainly isn't an optimal way of doing things at all but how does that actually that process take place well it's successive strain on the ligaments you see ligaments compared to tendons tendons don't move at all really they are their set length and the muscles act on them and they need to be a set length whereas the ligaments have a little bit of give if the ligaments didn't have any give when they're running between these joints they wouldn't actually be able to move the spine your finger will buckle a little bit to one side or the other the same thing with the knee joints the same thing with many of our limbs or our hinge type joints they will be a little bit of give left and right where the ligaments allow them to do that and we see where the ligaments fail that movement maybe to the one side is much more allowable it's, it's allowed to move further. Well, one, thing's, one thing that ligaments do not like is sustained loading. So if we take our finger and we buckle it to the side and we hold that pressure for periods of 10 to 20 minutes or longer, specifically with ligaments, you will start to get a process of creep occurring. And that is whereby the ligaments give a little bit, but then when you keep holding them, they start to stretch. They start to undergo what's called ligamentous creep. And that, if we focus force at a particular ligament for an extended period of time, starts to cause it to change. And that is when we are doing some of those activities as we're going through our normal development and doing some of those activities in our later years, such as sitting down for extended periods of time, that we focus stress and strain through specific ligaments. If we take a real example, which is maybe one of the reasons why so many with lower back problems have issues that, that focus in at the L4-5 and L5-S1, we can see that the spine is nice and neutral here. As we sit down, just by virtue of this particular spine, because it's a model, you'll see some of the joints will move a little bit further. Those may be the ones that have been abused in example a little bit more, so there's a bit more laxity there. But particularly, the L4-5 is one of the segments where as we sit on our bum, rather than on our sitting bones, we sit on here instead of here, which is incorrect. We should sit on these. We flex out, we open out that section of the lumbar spine that creates a stretch focused at this particular area. When we bend down, we create a stretch focused at that particular area. Doing that for long periods of time, hours at a desk every day, over many years, will start to create a degree of laxity in those ligaments. And that's what leaves them vulnerable, especially if we've had an onset of our back pain that was maybe bending over to do something really insignificant like putting a sock on or, or picking up a, a, you know, a, a light shopping bag that we've picked up a thousand times and things significantly heavier. Those little things that cause the back to go at such an insignificant load is often because we've created an area of ligamentous laxity, if we will, of instability in one section or two sections of that lower lumbar spine. And now when any force is exerted through that spine, one area is going to move a little bit faster than the others. I use another, another example for, for, for helping you guys understand this concept. If, for example, we have a seat belt on and the seat belt is nice and tight, holding onto us and holding us into the chair, when the car suddenly stops, the whole vehicle kind of gives a little bit and nothing is focused. But if the seat belt is loose and we've kind of pushed the seat belt out so it's away from our skin, 
as the car stops suddenly, we fly forwards. All of a sudden, the ligament goes from loose to quickly tense, and that maybe even creates enough force locally to create a fracture of the rib or damage to the collarbone as the belt is going across us. Whereas the same force, if we'd had the belt on properly, would not create such a focused force at one particular area of our body. And it's the same with the lower back. If we've stretched out, loosened out one particular area, when force, which should go through this whole organism, is focused to, let's say, the L4-5 segment, including the disc and the other ligaments in that region, it can really target that particular segment and create trouble. So now let's think, okay, well, let's move past that. We've got an injury. Why does it keep coming back? Well, if we don't have good understanding of how to stabilize the section of the spine as a whole and provide some external stability through way of our core, and we still have this laxity because yes, an injury is going to damage those structures. So we've got the method of creep for laxening ligaments specifically, but also if you injure the ligaments, they're obviously going to be uh, uh, compromised in their actual structure and their ability to function effectively. So you're gonna have the same issue occurring. Maybe the two are very, very closely related in the way in which they come about, but that's maybe topic for a little bit more detail on any questions, as you guys know, post in the comments. But when we do have that injury, we now have a wobbly segment. And a lot of people neglect this understanding that we want to focus on being able to maintain that neutral spine. Because when we're upright and about and doing things on a daily basis with a lower back injury, maintaining this neutral is the most important thing to do. Avoiding positions of flexion, forward bending, and to the same degree, excessive backward bending as well. Because we have a degree of, or a loss of a degree of integrity to that column of the, of, of the lumbar spine. And therefore, when we move suddenly, for example, or if we move slowly in a focused way to flex this section of the lumbar spine that's injured, we're not going to be tightening and, and restoring integrity. We're only going to help it perpetuate more by stretching back out that area. It really is a, a real frustration. I know for many members and I know for many patients that we've seen over the years, and I know specifically for us, that so frequently the very first exercise that you will be given, or one of the very first exercises, is going to be the child's pose. It's going to be knee hucks that focus even more forward bending to that particular section, to those particular ligaments, reducing the natural lordosis that should be there in our lumbar spine, and therefore really interfering with the natural healing process, not to mention the fact that it's doing absolutely nothing to help you understand how should your spine be maintained. Now, there's some of you guys that are gonna say, yeah, but you can't really control the spine. The spine's still gonna move a little bit, and you know, what's the point in trying? Or the spine is supposed to bend forwards. Yes, of course the spine is supposed to bend forwards. But if you work hard to learn to control it to the degree that it is possible, you are going to do infinitely better than the person that just throws the baby out with the bathwater and says, well, I can't stop my spine from moving perfectly. I can't fixate the joint perfectly when I'm moving, which we can't, so I'm just not gonna bother. Well, that's the person that constantly gets relapses because it's better to provide some stability and learn to provide some stability through specific exercises, strengthening exercises, a bit of an awareness. For example, not doing a pelvic tuck every time you try and engage your core as many are taught to do. It's better to have the effort and the intention to provide some stability than none at all. Because by providing some stability, you will limit the excessive movements that are taking place in here. And therefore you will start to learn the skills necessary to reduce the likelihood and the severity with which you have relapses. And that is really so important. Now, when it comes to making these videos as helpful as possible, we have tons of information on the YouTube channel, on the website, and in the program to help you. But a few final thoughts to go away with at the end of this video. Focusing on 
just engaging that core set of muscles, the transverse abdominis, the obliques, the lumbar erector spinae muscles, the muscles that provide cylindrical and complete uh, contraction and protection of this particular section here. Those are your lumbar support belt. Those are the support for this section of the lumbar spine. And those have maybe been a bit inactive over the years, which is why this area has become vulnerable. So that's important first. Secondly, doing exercises that challenge your body in ways that are real to life. For example, a simple squat. You will be getting up and down every single day, no matter what you think or whether you think a squat. Oh gosh, that seems like a bit of an extreme exercise. We did a whole episode on this for the actual podcast. So you can always check that out after this particular video. But doing an exercise like that, that teaches you how to maintain stability through your spine as well as you can through the squat. And again, people will say, well, your spine is going to move a little bit when you squat. Yes, it is, but it can move less or it can move more. And if we can control the movement, then we reduce the likelihood of injured segments being exploited in this particular movement and you will have a better time, a smoother recovery. And then we look at load bearing and non-load bearing, obviously the latter first exercises that challenge the core on one side versus the other, because life is asymmetrical. Everything you're doing, putting one sock on at a time. You know, grab two socks and go straight down and whip them straight on. I mean, some of you guys might be able to do that, but most people don't. It's one sock and then the other. It's the shopping bags on one side and then to the other side. Everything is asymmetrical. So learning to do exercises such as the dead bug, such as the lunge, that are going to start to teach you how in a safe environment, you're training in a safe environment, to be able to execute in the real world. This is no different to a sporting team doing running drills in, in practice. They're running in a safe environment. They can practice this effectively with extra attention so that when they go to game day, they're gonna execute it more effectively. It's exactly the same as why you guys are doing the training, doing these exercises. To practice in a controlled environment, it's okay to get it a little bit wrong, but you only learn by doing these things and then you can get it wrong less and then you can start getting it right more. And that's really the important thing. Don't get paralyzed by fear, especially if you've had these sorts of problems for a long period of time. It is by slowly starting with safe exercises that provide stability with a neutral spine that you will be able to get out of the hole and start to let your back pain recover. So if there are any questions about this particular topic or about the neutral spine or about a flex spine, or about an extended spine, which we haven't spoken as much about in this particular episode, please do use the comment section below. If you did find this one helpful, maybe a little bit more detail using the spine, then let us know that it was better. Or if you thought, you know what, I prefer some other types of videos that you've done, then let us know that too. We always try our best to make the podcast and the YouTube videos in general, and even the little short videos that we do as helpful as possible for you guys. And we know different people will prefer different formats. So again, feedback section below. And don't forget, we release these videos every single week. So if you want to join the Sunday mailing list where we send these out to you via email each week when they're published, then you can do that too. There'll be a link in the description, most likely around this video. Thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next episode.